The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What would you do if you were walking down the street one night and all of a sudden you had a close encounter of the Durr Den kind? It'll make sense. It'll make sense. And then you'll enjoy that pun in 20 minutes. And then we meet a man who's walking through the forest taking a nice little hike, enjoying all that nature has to offer. But little does he know, the natural world is about to collide with the world of the supernatural. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Garpiner. I'm I actually have the flu. I'd love to say I'm having a great day. But for having the flu, things aren't too bad. <laughs> but having the flu is pretty awful. So I'm just trying to stay up on my hydration, which those of you know me involves Diet Mountain Dew. Uh, and no water. I'm sure I'd probably feel better if I was drinking some water right now. But other than that, I'm having a great day. I hope you guys have some great plans for the weekend. I'm going to go see Five Nights at Freddy's. Hopefully, hopefully, without the flu, I might be the guy. I might be patient zero. If a bunch of people... If you see a bunch of people on the news, you're like, yeah, that looks like the type of person who would go see Five Nights at Freddy's on opening night. He probably got the flu from Jason. If all of a sudden a pandemic breaks out in the town of Hood River, um, I am patient zero on that one. This is a weird introduction for the show. Hopefully, the flu, germs, bacteria, whatever it is in my brain makes it possible to record this episode, but someone who never gets sick, someone who's never patient zero, in fact, they should lock him up in a lab and find out what his secret is, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Corbin's channel. Woohoo, yeah, wee, yeah, <laughs> walking on in, walking on in. Wearing a hazmat suit, Corbins, welcome to Dead Rabbit Radio Command. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially through the Patreon or the merch store or anything like that, that's totally fine. It truly is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Two more episodes left of season 22, then I'm going to be taking about a two and a half week break. It might stretch out a little bit longer depending on how the convention goes. I'm hoping to be back on the air November 16th, around there. In the meantime, I will be at the Port Gamble Ghost Conference in Port Gamble, Oregon. You can see me live November 10th at 6 p.m. I will be giving a presentation, Why Are There No Fat Ghosts? And I'd love to see you guys there. Even if you guys missed the presentation, that's totally fine. I'll be there the whole weekend. I actually have a panel the next day about podcasting the paranormal. I'd love to see you guys there. I love meeting you guys in person. It's a lot of fun. If you want more information, check the show notes below. Port Gamble Ghost Conference goes November 10th. Uh, I don't remember remember when the end date is, but anyways, I think it's like a three-day conference. But anyways, hope to see you there. You're like, Jason, can you just check your email and get that information? (laughs) Get that information. It's easier for you to do it than it is for us. 
Well, Corbin's channel, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dune Buggy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command and drive us all the way out to Brazil. February 1998, we're headed all the way out to Sorocaba, Brazil. It's late at night. And we're about to join this man walking down the street. Really, I say street. It's a street, but it's described as being next to a desolate field. (laughs) I don't think anyone wants anything in their neighborhood described as being desolate. But he's walking through it. He's looking around. He's used to it, right? He's used to the abandoned field where not even vermin tread. He's walking by this desolate field. This dude's name is Celio Lima Batista. And they're about to put that last name to a test. Because when you think of Batista, the first person you think of is Dave Batista. Actually, is that his name? The wrestler. The wrestler guy who now acts in movies. He's An actor is another name for that. Batista, when you hear the word Batista, you think like big buff dude running at you, getting ready to pile drive, sting. Celio Lima Batista is walking by this desolate field and he sees lights coming up from behind him. Huh? What? Uh, you'd automatically start like looking. Because again, <laughs> desolate field. There shouldn't be anyone else out here. He, see light, he sees lights coming up behind him. He feels, well, he doesn't just feel, he can obviously tell now. Someone is following him. There's shining lights on his back, and he assumes he's about to get robbed. So what do you do in this situation? Fight, flight, or freeze? Freeze is, you know, just might as well just give them your money and whatever else they want. Celio, though, he's like, I'm a Bautista. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to pile drive this guy. And he turns around and that's when he realizes whatever delusions he had about being able to get this guy in a figure four or all of a sudden there's a giant cage surrounding Desolate Field. It's a Rage in the Cage match or Hell in a Cell, whatever they call it. All of those visions of violence are quickly snuffed out when he turns around and he realizes That he is not facing a mortal man. It's not a dude following him down the street. He's looking at a... Well, actually, at this point, he doesn't know that he's not human. You do. Because this is a paranormal podcast. I guess we do true crime here and there. But he turns around and he's faced with a six-foot-five humanoid. So, human, very human-looking. Six-foot-five. There's humans who are six-foot-five. This guy has a giant head. Giant build, right? He's not like lanky. He's like straight up like yoked like a wrestler. Six foot five, muscular dude with large fiery eyes. Don't know if they're like literally on fire because you never know in the world of the paranormal or it's just fiery with passion. He wants that belt. <laughs> it's terrifying because you're in the middle of nowhere and you saw a guy and he's approaching you and he's like, I want a rematch. I want a rematch. That money in the bank was supposed to be mine. You'd be like, what are you talking about? Are you robbing me? Are you talking about wrestling? Ah, you'd be scared either way. Six foot five, whether it's a fiery passion or literal fire shooting out of his eyes. But it wasn't just that. Because listen, on a good day, you, me, we could probably take down a six foot five guy. We could probably beat them in a fight. 
But this guy wasn't just six foot five with fiery eyes. He had hands that were crab claws. So that's not real. Right? I mean, like you can everything else is possibly that fiery eyes could be an allegory. Everything else is humanoid, or you would think it was just tall human. But once he kind of put his hands up and started snipping, snip, 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 snip in the air, you'd be like, I don't know what's going to happen in the next. I don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes, but it's going to be extremely painful for me. That's not legal. Those aren't legal or human or earthly, unless you're a crab. So Celio does what. I mean, like you, you're geared up to fight. He turned around to face the guy who was following him. Could have took off running through the desolate field. But no, he turned around to face his attacker, assuming, like we all would, that the attacker was a human. But when he sees the pinchers, the giant clippity-clappity crab claws, he's like, oh no, Like I didn't plan for this. They never taught me about this in... <laughs> they never taught me about this in all those episodes of Ninja Turtles I watched. And there was a lot of mutants on that show. Whether or not this guy was a trained jujitsu dude or just a guy walking down the street, which he was, literally, moments before in the story, he's going to have to face down this guy with crab claws. Now, at this point, he could take off running. He could go, I can't do this. But he doesn't. Celio decides to stand his ground and balls his fists up and punches this monster. He's like ducking and weaving, and he's just throwing punch after punch at this crab-handed freak. But what's happening is he's throwing a punch, and he misses every single time. He's starting to starting to lose his breath. He throws another couple of blows. He keeps missing. Now, what's interesting about this, I mean, other than the giant man with crab claws, is that from what the story says, Celia was close enough to hit this guy. It's not that the man was moving, dodging and ducking and weaving away from the furious punches. It's not even that the punches were going through him, like this humanoid was somehow phasing out of time and space. This is what I love so much about the paranormal. This doesn't make sense. He's literally close enough to this guy to keep punching him. Each punch should land. This creature isn't blocking him. This creature isn't dodging them. The blows aren't moving through the air like the creature is teleporting in and out. None of that. He can't hit him. And it doesn't make sense. If you got up right now and started punching your wall, your hand's going to hit the wall. Or you're too far away. Or (laughs) you're like, Jason, I'm not doing that. I'm not getting up. I get what you're saying. It's weird. The spatial distortion that's going on here. He He can't hit him. None of his blows are landing. Celio is throwing punch after punch. But somehow, despite everything we know about fight physics, not a single punch hits the crab man. 
Well, what happens to you, you? We've all been in fights, right? A lot of us have been in fights. Any fight that lasts longer than a minute or two, you start to get winded. Usually, both people. Usually, both people are getting winded. Well, in this case, Celio is, uh, uh, and his punches become just you know. Eventually, he's just kind of touching him. He's just kind of tapping him. Well, he's not. He's trying to. He physically can't make contact with this creature somehow. He can't explain it. We can't explain it. But he's... his you know, Celio's lungs are real. That's part of a human body. His heart is getting tired. His arms are getting tired. So his punches start to slow down. <sighs> he's like, one moment. <laughs> one moment. Hey, let me catch my breath. Before I try to punch the impossible once more. <sighs> <sighs> Celio takes a step back, puts a little distance in between him and this monster to catch his breath. Then this six foot five humanoid with a muscular build, fiery eyes, and large crab claws lunges at Celio and beats him down with merciless efficiency. A while later, some other people are traveling down this road, and they see a crumpled, <laughs> they see a little crumpled dude on the side of the road, and they're like, wow, what's, do you think this is a trap? Do you think this guy's trying to rob us? No, 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 let's poke him with a stick. We'll find out if he's alive, and these travelers are like, hey, buddy, buddy, poking him with a stick. Dude, dude, are you okay? And Celio's like, oh, what? <laughs> he's rolling around in the dirt, he's like, what happened? He had been knocked unconscious by this thing. This dude beat him so badly. Knocked him out. And just left him there crumpled on the side of the road. They, these travelers, they took him to the hospital. He probably, I mean, he probably was like, you guys, look out, look out. There's a crap man nearby. They're like, uh, we don't know if we're taking it to a mental hospital or a real hospital. But uh, let's get this guy somewhere. Is oh, The crab man, the crab man, dude. Well, anyways, he did go to the hospital. He had a lot of bruises, large bruises on his back. And oddly enough, you know, I read this UFO report. I found this on one of my favorite websites, thinkaboutitdocs.com. They said that he had several large bruises were found on his back and was, and, <clears throat> and was treated for a wound on one of his fingers. Which I have to say, I've never fought a crab a crab man or a real crab in my life, I would assume they would be pretty dangerous because they're like pinching you the whole time. <laughs> like, ah, I'm trying to wake up from a dream. They're pinching you the whole time. I would say that that's, he got up pretty easy, right? <laughs> I mean, I would assume he would just chopped his arms off with those big pinchers, clip, clip. And then you kind of would have just been stuck. But I guess, I guess here's the thing. Getting your arms chopped off, yeah, that'd be awful. Also getting beaten unconscious in the middle of nowhere, that's pretty bad too. He's lucky these guys came along. Several large bruises on his back and treated for a wound on one of his fingers. I feel like he got off pretty lightly considering his assailant had crab hands. Like I said, I found this on ThinkAboutItDocs.com. They got it from a website or a group called Foundation Cosmos. Foundation Cosmos. 
a UFO investigative group. Which I'm presuming is a UFO investigation group in in another country. Possibly Brazil. I don't know if that word is Portuguese or Spanish, but I'd probably look it up. <laughs> but again, again, let's keep moving forward. Crazy story. I don't think it needs a lot of commentary, except and I because I think I did most of the commentary in the story. This idea of I thought that was so intriguing. The monster man, yeah, that's cool. I enjoy monster stories, but the idea that you could be punching something and not notice again, it would have been it would have been just as interesting if he was throwing punches and his punches just phased through the creature like he like a ghost, like you're trying to punch a ghost. That would be interesting as well. But the idea of being close enough to something, punching, hitting it, I mean, really, you should be close enough to hit it, and you doing zero damage. You don't even feel the contact on your fist. It's not moving. It's not blocking them. But somehow, and that's one of the things that I am so in love with in the paranormal, that sense of unreality. There's not really a way to explain that. Even if I was like, it's like punching water. We still feel the sensation. I go, imagine you were punching a trained boxer and none of your blows land. You go, oh yeah, because he's dodging them or he's blocking them. No, it's punching. The punches should land. Again, his punches aren't going through him. He's not blocking. I know I keep kind of going back to that, but I find that so weird. The ability to perceive whatever these things are. There's such a disconnect between what they are and how we perceive them and just where that... What, what is the realness of it all? I just love it. I, I love that idea that you could be that close to hitting something, should be hitting it, and you just can never connect with it. What type of mechanism is that... And really, that could go a lot to why we can never shoot down UFOs. Like, there's been very, out of all the UFO encounters, there's been very, very few where they have reports of them getting shot down. They crash, again, very, very rarely compared to the amount of reports. But it's it almost is like a time out of space. It's not that the missile went through the UFO. The missile just didn't hit it. It, it would have hit any other object, but it didn't hit that vehicle. And we can never figure that out. And here we have a terrestrial-based version of that. Corbin's channel. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carboner Copter. We are leaving behind Brazil. Fly us all the way out to Washington. <laughs> We're headed all the way up to Washington State, neighbor to the north. We're at Blewett Pass. That's on US-97. Apparently, there's a lot of prime camping spots up there. If you're looking for a place to pitch your tent, Blewett. <laughs> Blewett is the place to go, apparently. It's summer 2023. It's daytime. We're about to meet a man named Blake. And he's pulling his car in. On an old logging road, or maybe a new logging road. Old logging road just sounded more romantic, very Paul Bunyan-ish. Blake gets out of his car. Did I already say we're making that name up? I don't know his real name. Blake gets out of his car and, oh, nature, he says as he's doing his stretches. He's like, ah, nothing like leaving the hustle and bustle of the civilized world to freeze my butt off at six in the morning in a tent 
made of nylon. It's the thinnest material possible. Women wear it on their legs, but I will protect, I will trust it to protect me from bear attacks and the frigid outdoors. He's walking around this logging road now, and he has a little lunch that he prepared for him. Yum, yum, yum. And a 22 rifle. He pulls that out, and he is drinking his Coca-Cola, drinks it up, and then sets it down and starts plinking at it with his rifle. Takes another bite of his sandwich. I don't know if it's safe to eat and shoot at the same time. I'm sure he... I'm sure he put the gun down. He's like, oh, which which hands has the sandwich? Takes a bite of his barrel. I assume if like if I I've never I fired guns obviously, but I've never owned one. I would put always put the gun down before I would take another bite of my sandwich. I don't know. Maybe that's not good gun etiquette. They're like, Jason, no, that's not what they do in the military. They hold the machine gun with one hand and then eat with the other. Anyways, he's taking bites out of his sandwich and then he picks his rifle back up. Or never put it down. Again, we don't know. I'll hear in the comments from military experts. <laughs> Shoots a couple more bullets. Takes another bite of a sandwich. When all of a sudden... Out in the woods, he hears... And what it is... You might not have recognized it. I don't think it's a sound I can emulate as perfectly as I do the rest of the sounds on this podcast. He hears the sound of a digital watch alarm going off. And he's having a real hard time figuring out how far away it is, but he clearly hears it. His concern is twofold. One... There shouldn't be anyone else up here. I mean, it is a logging road. I think it probably is an old logging road if he's out there <laughs> opening fire on it. But that's the second problem. If there is someone out here, which it's possible, it's not impossible. Blake's a responsible gun owner. He doesn't want to accidentally blow this dude's brains out. So he's shooting at this soda can, and then here's this digital alarm, digital watch alarm goes off. He's a- afraid that he might accidentally kill someone. So he starts going... Hello? No answer. Is anyone out there? I need to know. I need to know so I won't accidentally shoot you in the brain. Or any other body parts. Is anyone out there? Hello? The whole time he's hearing this digital watch alarm go off and he thinks he can figure out what direction it's coming from. He's really afraid that he's going to accidentally hurt someone. He's thinking this is an old logging road. People normally aren't up here. However, sometimes they are. But I didn't see any other cars all day long. I have not seen proof of any humans out here because he figures he knows where it's coming from he starts walking towards the sound and as he's doing it he's talking out loud he's still being like hello is anyone out there who's out there is everything okay 
Are you late for an appointment? He's walking towards the beeping. But it's moving away from him. And not only that, it's moving away from him at the same speed he's walking. It's always a constant distance away from him. What's even odder to an already odd afternoon? But all of this stuff is explainable, right? There could be a guy with a watch out there. Maybe he can't hear. Maybe you already shot him in the mouth. And he can't talk. It's possible there's a digital watch out here. There's a whole sorts of things. People got to leave a watch behind and it's set to go off at noon and it's noon, whatever. All this stuff could be going on. What he thinks is weird is that not only is it moving away from him, not only is it moving away from him, at the same speed he's moving, he's making a lot of noise walking through the underbrush. This thing is silent. Silently moving through the forest. He can only hear the digital alarm in front of him. He can't hear the brush, the underbrush being trampled. And he knows he's already trampling it and how much noise he's making, he should also hear that in the distance as well. He says it was almost for a mile. I'm following this noise. And he followed it until it simply stopped. Now he's in the middle of the woods. This noise wasn't polite enough to take a trail, if there even was one, off of this logging road. Blake kind of looks around. He realizes he's in the middle of the woods for about a mile away from his truck. And he shouts out one last time, Hey! Is anyone out here? Looks around. Forest is silent. He shrugs his shoulders and heads back to his truck. He gets about halfway back when to the left of him he hears he hears the digital watch alarm to the left of him. He goes, my hair on the back of my neck just stood up. At this point, you got to figure something's toying with you. Something led you out here. Such a bizarre noise. Something that's not completely unusual, but unusual in this environment. We'd be thinking all of these things. And we'd be thinking it was human. Because again, this is a noise that it's not super common to encounter in our day-to-day life, digital watch alarm. But, you know, if you heard one, you would know what it was. You would assume it was somebody. But you would also assume when you yelled out, hey, is someone out there? You would hear a return. Yeah, yeah. I'm out here. I'm lost. Or, yeah, I'm out here, just going for a hike. Whatever. 
This noise led him out into the woods, and now as he's headed back to his truck, he hears it to the left of him. We probably would be thinking all of these things. Blake, you would assume, would be thinking these same things as well, but that's not what happens. Blake says when he heard that noise to the left of him and he felt the hairs on the back of his neck tingle, what he did was what Blake called a, quote, insatiable desire to let out a low growl. And he's looking off to the left of him. He's looking into the forest and he just is growling this low, deep, guttural growl. He said the only other time I'd ever made that noise was when I was playing with a dog and trying to like goad it on like an exaggerated growl noise. And he's growling. And then he's just staring off into the woods and he said, I stood there for about 30 seconds and I had a feeling in my gut. It's time to leave, Blake. Let's get back to the truck. He begins walking through the underbrush once more. Sees the logging road up ahead. Gets to his truck. Drives out of there. He said just to be... I don't know if just to be safe would be the right word, but just to kind of check it, right? You want to know, like, what was that? What type of experience was that? What actually happened? He goes, I did, because this is an area where I've camped before. Other people have camped before. Not the... Logging road specifically, but just the general area. He goes, I stopped by a couple of the other known, locally at least, camping spots to see if there are other people there. There was no one else around. I didn't see any cars driving by that day. Didn't see anyone else out there. It's a terrifying story for a... a couple different reasons um one we have this mysterious noise that let's be honest it was meant to lure him out this was posted online by a guy going by the name of h true 42 but the noise i mean like a, a, a mouse if a mouse heard that he'd be like i don't know what that is i'm running in the opposite direction and if a deer heard that be like what uh-uh, and it leaves. And a bear hears that. Maybe it will eat you, right? Because it's like, oh, that's the sound of a human. Humans have watches. Humans are full of delicious meats. I'm going to go that way. But probably not. The bear is also probably like, it's summertime. I'm going to go this way. Go eat a couple geese before I hibernate in a couple months. Humans are too much trouble. The digital watch noise would lure out a human, though. Especially up there. If you were at a grocery store and you heard that digital watch, you wouldn't be like, what's in the other... (laughs) What awaits me in the soup aisle? Oh, the mysteries of the world. Always perplexing. You'd just be like, some guy needs to shut off his stupid watch. 
But in the middle of the forest, especially if you're firing a gun, if you were just like cooking marshmallows in the middle of the forest, like you're like, whatever, who cares? Maybe you'd get mad if it went on for too long. But if you're firing, it like basically preyed on his concern for fellow humans. Because I, I, like I said, I, I've never really owned a gun. I've shot him. I probably wouldn't turn and try to shoot wherever the alarm is coming from. But if I heard a digital watch alarm coming from somewhere in the woods, I would probably just keep shooting. If, assuming I was already shooting in the opposite direction and I heard it coming from behind me, I wouldn't like be like, oh, I turn around and I strafe the entire force with machine gun fire. I'd be like, oh, there's someone behind me in the woods. I'm just going to keep shooting this way. Now, a gun expert could go, no, 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 you should stop shooting it. Anytime you think a human's nearby. I don't know, again, if that's a gun rule. <laughs> it would make guns kind of useless if that was a gun rule. But I guess hunting, you may go, no, if you think a human's anywhere within a mile, you shouldn't shoot your gun. You should walk around with it, like, above your head or in your pants, like, holstered, shotgun holstered on your back. It basically, like, I wouldn't care. I would... I would think it was weird, but I'd probably just keep shooting and <laughs> like la, la 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 I'm shooting even more to drown out the sound. But Blake basically he's a good gun guy. He stops shooting and goes, Oh, I don't want to accidentally shoot whoever that is, so I'm gonna find out who where they're at. And then it started to puzzle him, and then he went looking for where the sound was. And there was probably at a point where he was thinking, Oh, I hope someone's not hurt out there. Like, why else would I be hearing a digital watch somewhere in the forest? By the time it got spooky, by the time he started putting together the pieces, the sound's moving away from him, the sound's making no sound as it tramples the underbrush, he's already far on his journey. Now he's even more curious. It basically preyed on his nature of concern and curiosity, leading him out to the forest. And I don't think the growl was a defense mechanism. I don't think it was like his lizard brain reacting to something he couldn't see. It's possible. It's possible that we do have an instinctual mechanism when we're faced that. Because see, here's the thing. Whether or not you believe in the paranormal, our ancestors did. A hundred percent. Like, you could say right now, I'm a skeptic. I don't believe in any of this stuff. I just like hearing fun ghost stories. That's why I listen to this podcast. Every generation before you since the dawn of human civilization has believed in the world of the paranormal, has believed in the supernatural. Maybe your parents didn't. Maybe they did. Maybe you're the first person in your entire family lineage who thinks this is all bunk. It's weird to think about it like that. It's weird to think about it like that. But from... A hundred thousand years ago to today, if you are a skeptic who believes none of this is real, monsters and ghosts, magic, you are probably the first person, if not the first, maybe the second generation of your entire family line who thinks this is all made up. Because even today, the majority of humanity believes in some level of the paranormal, whether it is religion, or superstition, or all the way to ghosts and cryptids and all the great stuff we talk about on this show, the majority of humans still believe in the world of the supernatural. 
And that, I mean, it used to just be 99% for hundreds of thousands of years. So you may be the first person who doesn't believe in this stuff. Our brains could be keyed in to when we hear this, it is an ancestral memory. It is a survival mechanism because a thousand years ago, one of your relatives ran into one of these things and they got away from it, whatever it is. Whether it's this thing specifically, which again, we have no information on what this could be. I think Missing 411 could run a big lap with this story because Missing 411, there's a big theory that it's special ops forces in uh, predator type suits. Some people think that it's an actual cryptid or some non-human entity who can turn invisible. Glimmerman. Glimmerman. We've done episode. I think we did one or two episodes on them. And they just happened to leave their watch on. It was all accidental. They could have been drawing him out there for some reason. It could have been a spirit. Could have been alien. We have no idea what this was. Again, this is a story of survivor bias as well. The limited information we have is because Blake got in his truck when his gut instinct says it's time to leave. It was interesting. I watched this YouTuber called Heart to Hurt. He's an ex-cop. And he's a martial arts instructor, and he does videos on self-defense. He also shoots himself in the face with tear gas, pepper spray, whatever it was. And he said as a cop, he goes, every assault case he ever investigated, the victim always said, I had a bad feeling. He goes, all of them. He goes, people don't trust their guts. He goes, every assault case I ever had started off with them saying I had a bad feeling. So you get these instinctual gut feelings and Blake left and other people may have said, oh, it's to the left of me. I'm going to start walking that way. All of that stuff is fascinating in and of itself. But I want to spend my last two minutes talking about the growl itself. We could see this as being that ancestral memory. This is the beast of man coming out in a time when the threat is unidentified. The primal rage it wasn't rage so much i was just thinking of that video game the primal feeling in that moment to revert to a near animalistic state could have been that but i i actually envisioned something a little bit darker i was thinking that whatever this thing was doing was drawing him out there chose him specifically brought him out there and was turning him into a beast that's, I have a fear of turning into monsters. <laughs> I have a fear of turning into monsters or turning into rocks or turning into snails, whatever, against my will. So obviously I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, is a werewolf typing this story? Ah, is he going to turn into a monster? Um, Because he had this ins insatiable need, like the growl was coming out of him. But again, that's my interpretation. I think that maybe he was trying to turn him into Bigfoot or something. I don't know, okay? It's just scary. It's scary. He's turning into a monster man. Uh, but he didn't, and he got back in his car and drove away, so it's not super spooky. It's probably most likely the first one. <laughs> I spent the most time talking about that it was this Neanderthal-esque response, an animal-human response to this unseen threat. But again, we're left with the question of what was the nature of the threat, and we don't know. It doesn't even sound particularly scary if you think about it. Wasn't his mom's voice coming from the forest? It wasn't the sounds of little kids going la 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 la. Just a digital watch. 
digital watch alarm. What's interesting though is I think those first two examples, he'd get in the truck, right? He knows his mom's not in the forest. He isn't going to go walking around the forest if he hears kids singing nursery rhymes. I mean, you talk about survivor bias. Everyone who's dumb enough to do that is dead. <laughs> They're dead. If they were crying for help, maybe. But the digital watch was normal enough. It was mundane enough to get him to walk into the woods to check out and to continue on. Once he realized things weren't up to snuff, he continued walking. His caution turned into curiosity. He was worried about shooting someone. Now he just wants to find the truth. But in the end, he has none of the answers. He titled this post, he entitled this post, Sound and Woods kept getting farther away. Any guesses as to what it was? Any similar experiences? He's looking for answers, and this is a story he'll most likely never find any. The only way he would have had a concrete answer was if he continued to follow the noise when it appeared again to his left. He would know for sure had he stayed in those woods, even though his gut was telling him it's time to go. He would have had the answer to what was out in the woods that day. But he never would have survived to tell us the story. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. See you.